Impact of Influence, The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend. Welcome. Glad to have you here. Grateful to have you here. It's been a couple of years and you're still hanging in there. We really, really appreciate that. You can find Impact of Influence on Facebook and uh, also putting together an Impact of Influence YouTube channel. So look on the Facebook page for links to that. Uh, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker, of course, is here. Hello, Seton. Hello. Who had a uh, trip down to the low country. Beaufort, which if you've never been there, is the most beautiful place. It's just waterfront, picturesque views. I stayed at a great little bed and breakfast, uh, the Anchorage 1772. So if you want to splurge, it's a nice location. And so you had a little pleasure, but some work too, because you were at the Alec Murdoch sentencing. Now we knew, of course, a week ago or so that uh, what his sentence was going to be, that they reached a plea deal, all that. But they still had to have the official sentencing. One of the reasons was to allow uh, Alec's uh, victims to speak. Yes, that's a requirement uh, that victims have the opportunity to speak out when someone is sentenced. Now, just to give us a concept here, how was the the crowd? I know that you probably saw old friends that we've gotten to know because media and attorneys were there, all who have been in, with this case from the beginning. Yes, all the media that we've seen along the way, as well as all the big-name attorneys who were involved in some way were there. The crowd was surprisingly light. I mean, it definitely does not hold the interest that the murder trial held. There were some people from the community, or um, I don't know if they were from the community or not there. Also, um, Becky Hill, the clerk of court's co-author, and his wife were there. Um, I would say it was probably about 70% full. And also, interestingly, uh, none of Alec Murdoch's family or friends that I saw were there. You were seated in the jury box, and I hear you say, tell Dwayne that. There was kind of, a, I guess, a last-minute thing where they allowed members of the press to go into the jury box. Gotcha. That's where I sat. And so, and then Alec walks out as as you were seated. Was there anything that... Was, was there any kind of vibe or feeling you got seeing him close again like that? Um, or was it just it? It was what it was. He he's remained slim. His hair has grown back. I know there were some milk shots where his hair was shaved. Um, he looked like he was in physically good condition. He was chatting with his attorneys and smiling and laughing at points. How long did the whole thing last? It was six hours. It was much wow. longer than I expected it to be. Jeez, they were cutting into your uh, Airbnb time or your, I mean, your... Uh, I was planning to go home the second night. I'd gotten there because uh, tr- the hearing was uh, scheduled to start at 10. And I was planning to go back that day, but we didn't get out until after 3. And then there was some press conferences after between, um, you know, all Eric Bland and Dick Carputley and Jim Griffin and the AG's office. So... By the time that was all said and done, it just I decided to stay another night. Well, let's get to it. Where do you want to begin with this? Okay, let's start with uh, before Creighton Waters had an opportunity to speak, the judge addressed a few issues, and we hear from Dick Harputlian, who was objecting to uh, attorneys speaking for their clients. Let's listen. And, uh, prior to proceeding, um, uh, Mr. Harputlian, do you have any introductory comments? 
Your Honor, only to note that at a juncture after Mr. Waters finishes, we're going to hear from the victims, and I'm told this morning some of the lawyers. My concern is that the Victims' Bill of Rights guarantees the victims the ability to make a presentation. I have no problem with that whatsoever. There's going to be, I'm sure, extensive comments by them. But I'm concerned from what I read in social media about some of the lawyers making comments today. Some of them are going to express anger against me and Mr. Griffin and Mr. Murdaugh. Some of them are nakedly using this as an infomercial to sell coffee cups or T-shirts or bobbleheads in an effort to maximize their economic return on this process. I would ask the Court either to have the victims speak or the attorneys, but not both. And if the attorneys do speak, they address their comments to you and not to us, and their comments should exhibit the demeanor of this courtroom, not some sort of marketing ploy. Thank you. Okay. I think we know where he was going with the bobblehead comment or who he was talking to. Yes, I think he was talking to Eric Bland. And Judge Newman actually did give the attorneys for victims an opportunity to speak. He said, you know, victims have the right to be represented by attorneys, and attorneys represent them. So he did say that they could speak. They could speak. I think it sounded like Dick wanted an either-or. They can speak for their client if they're not here, and if the client's here, they should speak. But I guess Newman said it's wide open. Do what you got to do. It was wide open, but there was definitely some digs with the bobbleheads. And, you know, I wanted to just ask you your thoughts, because I think the true crime space is weird, and I've struggled with this a little bit throughout this process of sometimes it's entertainment, but you also you're dealing with these victims, which we heard from and we'll cover later on in this episode. It's really sad, and it's just this balance of being tasteful and just also weird. And, I mean, I've struggled with that myself. What do you think? Well, yeah, it is a balance. Uh, However, there is the point of, in our case, there are overhead costs to do what we're doing, and people want the product, or we couldn't be doing what we're doing. We don't. So, we do not sell items, though. And we should and, note that they, you know, items that are sold apparently are going to charity yeah. causes. So right, I'm, I'm not criticizing anyone. I'm just saying it's it's a it's a it's a tricky space. Right. If I thought that a bobblehead of Matt Harris would could sell for more than a dollar fifty. But I mean, I, I have seen it. some no, things okay. that I consider distasteful. Not, yeah, not, 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 that, not, not in that case. But you know, t-shirts. You know, talking. You know, having people's faces on at murder and like I, jokes about jokes about, about the little murder. Yeah, what was the, the that Reba song? It's a dance we all play. We hope to. I mean, I, I have no problem with people making money off of it. it Whether they're a crime junkie or my favorite murder or whatever it is takes time to put these things together. Yes. You, you should, uh, you know, be able to make money off of it. It doesn't, it's not like you're making money off the victims. You're giving their story voice, I guess. Uh, Dateline's done it for years, whoever. It's just, you, you can't expect people to present these things uh, for free for yeah. all their time and everything. So 
I, I don't think there's anything real nasty or dirty about it, but do each their own. And the bobblehead's going to charity, so there's that. Um, let's move on. We hear from Creighton Waters next, and he gives some rationale why the state agreed to uh, this plea deal. Mr. Murdoch is waiving his appellate rights and within the law his post-conviction rights, which means for this plea here today, there is certainty, as much as the law will allow, that he will serve at least 85% of that 27-year sentence if you're honored ultimately accepts this result. Whatever happens with any other litigation, we ensure with this result here today that Mr. Murdoch will stay in state prison for what is most likely the remainder of his life. And that's aside from the two life sentences that Your Honor previously imposed upon him. But we have to remember that this result here today is not for the murders. This result here today is for those white-collar offenses. And 27 years at 85%, Your Honor, is more than anyone can think of, state or federal, that someone has received for white-collar offenses. It's more than Enron. It's more than WorldCom. It's more than Carolina investors. So I guess there is this question of who won. Right, because both sides, the, the state and the defense, have both said, you know, touted that this is a good deal for their client or for the state of South Carolina. I've spoken to a couple of attorneys, and we heard in this clip that Alec Murdoch has received more time than for these financial crimes and people involved in the Enron scandal and lots of other things. It, it's serving 27 years with, with 85% requirement. He's going to be in his mid-70s if he makes it that long in state jail. I've talked to attorneys, and they think it was more of a win for the state than it was for Alec Murdoch's defense team. Well, Alec wasn't negotiating from a place of strength either. He wasn't. So He wasn't. Yeah, I mean, he has you know, obviously the murder so conviction, but... Sometimes there's, it's not necessarily a win. It's just this was best for all involved, right? right. I mean, it doesn't and mean we, a winner or a loser. And we heard from the state, their rationale in uh, accepting this plea was... It gives victims finality and... 77, 78 years old, if and when he gets out, if he gets off on the murder charges, which is... And they don't have to... Victims don't have to be re-victimized. And also in this uh, plea deal, he is giving up any sort of right to appeal. Right. And he... Yes. And so and there could be more investigation as far as federal... Um, like he has to do lie detector tests and things like that may be coming up. Yes. So we'll get to that uh, at a point. So what do you want to uh, head to next? Next, we are going to hear from Eric Bland and his response to this whole bobblehead controversy. And there was all this about pretrial publicity, that somehow I caused pretrial publicity and others and people who wrote about it and podcasters or whatever. Boy, is that rich. The defense attorney himself's a podcaster. He started a podcast after the murder trial. They went to CrimeCon and they talked for two days about the case. They've done press conferences. They've done documentaries. They've gone on TV. If there's any pretrial publicity, it's caused in part by them. And they still came before you to say that Mr. Murdoch couldn't get a fair trial. 
Wow. I, I get where Bland's coming from. I, mean, I, I get his, Eric's defensiveness, if you will, or his being bothered by Dick Carpootlian taking a shot at him. I, I, I totally get he looked that Bland angry. is fired up. He looked angry. He had his kind of head kind of down with his hand on his face. Just He, he did not look happy about some of these things. And I, I totally understand why he would feel that way. I mean, he makes points. Griffin's doing his thing. and uh, Well, and I've seen some social media talk about this, is that he, uh, Jim Griffin started his podcast after the murder convictions, although there's still, they still have a motion for a new trial. Right, so right. I, I would be mad, too, if I get called out by that in front of the court or whatever. Well, and another thing on in Eric Bland's defense, he did not he was not involved as an attorney in this in this murder conviction. He didn't represent Alec Murdoch or he wasn't on the on the the prosecution team. So I think he had I don't know, I don't feel like he had as much of a conflict. Yes. Hey, he's an Eagles fan. So what are you going to do? <laughs> I love that about him. I'm wearing my Eagles shoes if you're watching on the YouTube channel. Uh, so what's up next? We started hearing from some of the victims. We heard from the Satterfield family who Eric Bland represents, and we heard from Gloria's sister, and we heard from her two sons. But I want to play this clip from Hakeem Pinckney's mother, Pamela Pinckney, because she kind of reiterated what a lot of the victims uh, said about forgiveness. Good afternoon, Your Honor. Good afternoon. To Mr. Murdoch, because I am an ordained evangelist and I have Christ in my life, the 23rd Psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy art is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And because of what you did to me, I thank God for giving me strength to get through what I went through. Because without God, I wouldn't be here. And to you, Alex Murdoch, I never thought that you would betray me and did me and my family the way we did, the way we was done at a vulnerable time in our life, at our lowest estate. We was in a terrible motor vehicle accident. And you just took us for granted. But all I want to say to you is I forgive you from my heart. On this day and forevermore, my prayers and endeavors should be with you. And God bless you. Probably a better person than me. I don't know if I could do just the, the forgiveness it, thing. It was really the victims being able to forgive this way. And I mean, Hakeem Pinckney's case stood out to me. So much because here is this young man who is already deaf and becomes a quadriplegic and the type of person who would be able to steal money from a family in this type of horrible situation, horrible is, situation. is just beyond rec comprehension. And then for her to be able to turn around and forgive him was just, it, it was really moving to see. Yeah. I mean, Hakeem Pigney, just that back, uh, deaf, uh, quadriplegic and took money from him and his family. And so Alec Murdoch, that, that is for her to say that, but I guess if you walk around with bitterness and anger in your heart, it's hard to move on. Right. Uh, so 
the next one, speaking of emotional, I, I listened to this one already, and you'll get to hear it now. Explain what we're about to hear. We are about to hear from J.J. Jenks, who was another one of uh, the victims of Alec Murdoch's financial crimes. But this one really stood out because he grew up. He was childhood friends with Alec, and the connection, I mean, it was almost like watching a movie because it was it and it was but it was so emotional and throughout this clip we we've edited it a little bit because he had to pause at times because he was getting so emotional and i think everyone in the courtroom was feeling that emotion and, and experiencing it right along with him i've been waiting on this day i've been waiting on this day to look in your eyes I wanted to sit down with you one-on-one when I found out what you did. I just wonder why. Unlike a lot of these people here, these victims, I got a lot of intimate, intimate stuff that I could say. You remember? All those wildlife hunts I had for law enforcement. Your entire family was the guest of honor. Mr. Buster, Judge Eldroff, insisted on me taking care of them for the day. You don't know how many brownie points you got in my life from just that. I trusted you with everything. I knew I was going to break. I knew it. I knew I was going to break. Excuse me. Excuse me. I knew I was going to break. But I got some notes here. I don't even know if I can go through. Our family got a deep relationship, man. You remember making a comment to me after I found out, after we discussed the possible amount this lawsuit was worth, and you made a comment to me, and you said, don't spend all this money foolishly. Tell me what you did with $20 million that you stole, part of it being mine. And you know, I'm sitting there crying. I want everybody to the judge. I need you to know. I'm not crying because of what he stole from me. I'm crying for what he did to everybody in the suit. These kids, these people dying. I didn't want to come up here and bash you, but I got to ask you, what kind of animal are you? I can't even I can't even go over my notes. I'm not here to be your judge. Ultimately that belongs to the good Lord and Savior. But may he have mercy on your soul. I didn't want to see you. When I saw you on TV in an orange jumpsuit, hurt me. Still wasn't mad at you. 
But this judicial system put together a system to deal with people that make bad choices. And my friend, you chose to make the choice you made. So I need the judge to know that I am full favor. I am in full favor of the court's recommendation for the 27 years. I can go back to us going to mediation. That you affected my wife. You chose to have Maggie deal with us those two days we were in Charleston in mediation. She catered to us hand and foot. You told me where to go and check into my room. We did. From that point, we never drove another foot. Neither did you. Maggie drove us everywhere we went. When all this came about, Paul, Paul, and Maggie, I couldn't believe it. I didn't believe it. But after sitting here today and hearing some of the devious things that you did to people, these victims here, changed my mind, bro. Once again, I ask you, what kind of animal are you? Boy, I gave you my all. I would do the money you stole from me, you could have asked me for it, and I would have gave it to you if that's how I felt about you and your family. You didn't have to steal it from me, man. And I still, if there's any way possible, you set it up for me to be on your visitation list. I want to sit down with you. I want to look you in your eyes and talk to you when I can really talk to you. We got some intimate things we can talk about. I would like that. But why, bro? Why? Such a talent. Do you know what you just threw away? How talented you are? Mr. Harpoonian, nothing to do with you, but you made a comment earlier about the attorneys trying to sell bobbleheads and cups. Can you represent this man to sell those bobbleheads and cups to repay the victims that he stole from? Thank you. Very emotional. Uh, you know, Alec Murdoch bobbleheads would not be a... Well, you know what? I was going to say we're not a big seller, but I think it probably would be for fun, but you can't do that, obviously. But that guy, his full speech and the amount of times he broke down, we condensed it a little bit for you. Just amazing because there, there's no, you know, the whole thing about Alec was, and I guess it's easier if you're going to rip off people who are close to you because they don't suspect anything. Uh, and you rip off people who are close to you, you rip off people who don't know any better. Uh, and it makes it an easier scam and scheme. Well, watching his body language throughout this, as, as he heard from other victims, which he references in his, in well, he addresses the court, um, he fluctuated from appearing to be kind of almost angry, but then just a, a, upset. And he was, his wife was with him, and at times he broke down. It just was, it, 
just listening to it, I don't think you can can get the sense of how impactful this was being in the courtroom. He's calling what a uh, what kind of monster. What, uh, yeah, he he referred to him as as what kind of monster, and he indicates that he believes that Alec, uh killed Maggie and Paul, which. He says he he was very close. He loved them. Loved them, yeah, 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 yeah. And he uh, said that Alec told him to uh, spend the uh, be, be wise with your money or something. Like uh, that, that was ridiculous. Like here he is lecturing JJ. You're, this is how much this case is worth, and you know just make sure you you spend it wisely or don't blow it. The insanity of that is is next level. You hear in this clip too that Alec Murdoch, you know. He jumps in and, and addresses JJ in part of it, you yeah, know, during the, during JJ. Yes. Time. And then he talks to him about him in the, in his, and Alex big, long rambling speech too. Let's talk about one of our sponsors. It is factor. You can eat stress-free this spring with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh meal is never frozen and it is chef crafted dietitian approved, uh, including popular options like calorie smart, keto protein plus, and they are ready in just two minutes. What did you have chili the other day? Delicious. And if you want gourmet meals, you can try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, asparagus. So head to factormeals.com slash impact50 and use code impact50, 5 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code's impact50 at factormeals.com slash impact50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Impact50 at factormeals.com slash impact50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is that what is up next? Yeah, next. Well, first we're going to hear about Alec Murdoch, just kind of his general apology message to all the victims. Now, how long was he, how long did he go for? Alec, you think about an hour? Uh, it was, it. I think it was close to an hour. I I don't know. It was it really long. long. And what was really kind of crazy about this at the beginning, Dick Carprutlin says he's going to speak five minutes, and then then they say, well, maybe ten, and then he went on for close to an hour. Longer he talks, the longer he doesn't have to go to jail. I guess maybe he was he was he enjoying a, a field trip. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this is the first part. This is the first part. We're gonna we're gonna do two sections of this. I hope that the time will come when you can look back and know that despite the things that I did, that I care about each one of you because I do. I did terrible things. Each of you placed your trust in me. I was very proud of that. And I'm still today honored by that fact. But I deceived each of you. Terribly. I did terrible things. It is so important to me that you know how bothered that I am by the things that I did. And that's important to me. 
hours, days, weeks, months of self-reflection, I know now that I took more and more and more pills because I was hiding or attempting to hide from the reality of the things that I was doing to all of you. I do care about each of you. I have I have special recollections of my interactions with each one of you outside of the terrible things that I did. Hmm. A lot of uh, me, me, me. Yeah, it was all me or I, and only about the first maybe 15, 20 minutes, he actually addressed the victims of the financial crimes who were there. And then he went on to apologize to his family, which maybe he definitely owes them an apology. Um, But it just was odd. And he brings up, you know, he does this almost infomercial for the drug treatment center that he's sought treatment for. And, you know, I'm all in favor of that. I mean, it's a terrible problem. And I I think that, but it just seemed very... Um, I don't know. Nor- it just seems like why does he get a chance to BS? Use- you want to write a letter or something? Yeah, uh, do it. Just sit there and hear what they have to say. Shut your yeah, hole. I felt like he should have only addressed the victims of the financial crimes. I don't know. And none of his family was there. If he wants to make amends yeah. with his family, then why not write but, them a letter? I mean, they yeah. weren't there. I guess they maybe they could watch it, but a time an hour to hear that blowhard. Or as I called him on court TV, an asshat the other day. Um, well, and and they, they had the, someone said, well, they weren't, the victims could have left. And that's true. But, you know, this is, this was their day. And. Why give him the platform? Why? Yeah. yeah. And Judge Newman l- let him talk that long. And he mm. didn't, he let everybody talk. He let Creighton Waters talk. He let Eric Bland. Six he hours let, of whatever it was. Right. He let everybody talk. But it was just, I, I think it fell flat in the room. I think seeing him. The beginning, and the only time I saw him really have any emotion was when he addressed J.J. Jenks. Let's do that clip with Alec uh, addressing uh, Jenks. J.J., we hunted and fished together, alone, all over the low country. I mean, I think we've talked to each other about everything that's important to both of us. And man, I hate the things that I did. Our daddies were the best of friends. I mean, I mean it. When I say that I care about you, as hypocritical as that seems in light of the things I did, it is so very true. I did care about each of you, and I still care about each of you. Um, Michelle, I can't think of a bad day that a hug from Miss Carrie and a kiss from Miss Carrie that she would always give when I would see the two of you because I never saw one without the other that that wouldn't make better and it was usually accompanied by some sage advice or words of wisdom that were always so perfectly appropriate for whatever was going on and I truly love her and I love you and I am so sorry 
um, there's so many others that aren't here today um, that I hope will listen or be listening one day, like Dion. Dion's daddy, one of my dearest friends. I can still remember going to Dion's graduation, spending time with him. One more thing, JJ, going back, I do want to tell you as to how close I feel to you. My wife loved you. And you are absolutely right about everything you said. But you are dead wrong about one thing. And I would never hurt Maggie, and I would never hurt Paul. And it is important to me that you know that. Because she did love you. And I hope you know that. And I hope you know that I mean what I say here today. Well, I don't know if you could hear at the end of that clip uh, when Ellick is ex- you know, saying that he was not responsible for Maggie and Paul's death. Uh, Mr. Jenks says, I feel like you do. So it, it seems like maybe he does believe that Ellick is not responsible for Maggie and Paul's death. But he said it. Or maybe he just thinks that he feels bad about it. He said, I feel like you do. And okay. I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, I mean, maybe Ellick said that he would like to have conversations with Mr. Jenks. You know, Mr. Jenks, when he when he spoke, I mean, he says he has intimate knowledge of things. I, I thought that that was weird. I don't know. But I think that they definitely need to have a conversation. I don't know if they will, but... Uh, no, I think... I think, think they will? I, Alec indicated that he would, he would be receptive to having Mr. Jenks uh, visit, have, him? visit him if he said if he put him on the, on the visitation list. So I, I think that will hmm. happen. That would be interesting. Uh, what uh, clip do you have next? Uh, next, I just found this interesting, is Alec Murdoch is talking about the Gloria Satterfield situation with with the dogs and his intentions. So let's listen to this. Tony, Brian, when I decided to make up the story and the claim about the dogs and Gloria, I did it with good intentions of helping you. I am so sorry that those intentions very quickly became selfish. Well, he said he made up the dog thing. He didn't deny it. He said he made it up, but it was for a good reason. Yeah, because his intentions were, were good. This made Eric Bland really mad. He actually got up and left the courtroom right after this. When Alec talked about when he made up the lie that the dogs knocked Gloria down the steps. Right, because Eric Bland is going on record saying that his clients believe that is the real story about this dog situation. Um, I, I don't know what to believe. I mean, Alec Murdoch has lied about so many different Everything. things. Uh, we don't know if that's the one time he was telling the truth, or <laughs> I don't know. We I don't know Everything that we will, I don't know that we will ever know because Maggie and Paul are dead. Uh, Gloria's dead. Gloria's dead. I I don't know that we will ever have finality. To About that the question. Steps, crawling up the steps, as the case may be, I think, right. part of it. So it, to me, it's 50-50. I mean, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. You don't hear any dogs in the 911 call. That's always right. interesting. But, but it was kind of a, it was kind of like a, 
I felt like, even though he apologized to the Satterfield family, I felt like it was a little bit of a dig to them. Like, you know, here they were. It was their day to kind of put this to bed. And then he's saying, I made up that story and I had good intentions. Oh, if you, if I hadn't had the, 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 that story, the lawsuit wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't have gotten all that money. Exactly. Kind of thing. Yes. That's, okay. That, I see where you're going. That is kind of what I, okay, how I, I took it. And then the man who will be a legend from all this and the man who didn't buy any of Alex's ramblings, Judge Newman, was this after lunch? This was after lunch. There was a 40 minute break for lunch. And then we came back and uh, Creighton spoke. Uh, for Creighton Waters. Uh, Creighton Waters spoke for maybe in another 20, 30 minutes. Again, jeez. I know. And then um, Judge Newman sentenced him, and he spoke while he was sentencing him. So let's listen. Yeah, let's listen. And I have lived with this case now for over two years, and um, I have 34 days left before active retirement. And after uh, imposing this sentence, uh, your life will continue. Uh, I will turn the page and uh, leave you behind. You're quite an an enigma, uh, a person that many of us thought we knew. Um, And as I stated earlier, I can only recall you as being a fun-loving, happy person. I've never I've never seen you sad. I've never seen you um, being anything other than a friendly, caring person. And uh, it's so disappointing uh, to see you again in this setting. Uh, I believe the last time we saw each other and you were not in jail was at, at a conference when you were poolside having a good time. And as it turns out, that was a couple of months after the passing of your wife and son, um, but you were having a good time, uh, made nothing of it, and, and then the uh, Labor Day weekend events occurred, and um, next thing I know, I'm assigned to preside over all of your matters. Not on your matters, but uh, others as well. And we started out with 100, over 100 charges, indictments against various folks. And uh, we've whittled that down to just a handful. Um, outstanding. And uh, I'm happy to turn the page and turn, uh, not not turn the remnants over to anyone else, but to certainly turn over anything pending against you to someone else. It's been said that these are white collar offenses. I've never had that distinction. I've never thought of it that way. Uh, I've looked at criminal offenses as criminal offenses. You know, three property crimes in South Carolina, is a, you, you can get 10 years in prison. People have gotten 10 years for shoplifting third offense. Uh, I've sent people into retirement for committing criminal offenses over and over and over again. Uh, But I've never thought of it as being a white collar offense. Uh, Having had employees do embezzlement, um, church secretaries stole money, uh, preachers stolen money, 
um, many offenses, uh, but I didn't, never draw a distinction between a, a violent crime uh, and other crimes. Uh, certainly the law makes a distinction and uh, many violent crimes are non-parole offenses. Uh, the plea I'm accepting with you, uh, you must serve 85% of the time. The parties have indicated that they are uh, the, the victims uh, to the extent that they can be called victims there. That's my preferred term for, for the group of people who have been preyed upon or victimized. Uh, they've all indicated that they would like for the court to accept the negotiated sentence. Uh, it is a, uh, a stern sentence. Um, the question was asked, or what kind of animal are you? Um, are you an enigmatic person? Um, I don't know that you understand yourself. Um, what comes to mind is a young man that I sentenced to death penalty for killing a police officer and setting his body on fire. And though personally I was opposed to capital punishment, uh, he was sentenced to death. And in writing up that sentence report, I, I concluded that he was heartless. He was just empty. And when I see you and I listen to you and I reflect on all that I've seen since being appointed, uh, assigned to these cases, uh, you come closest to that young man being empty. I don't see anything. I, I tried to reach you at, at sentencing in the other case. Uh, I, I've listened to you here today, um, and I don't, I don't see anything there. He is saying what you think you felt and the people you were talking to felt, which was there was nothing there. Like it, nobody was buying Alex's you know, story. The, at or, the very beginning of his speech, I did – Especially when he addressed Mr. Jenks, I did feel like there was some emotion to that. Well, let me tell you this. An hour apology doesn't work. I've tried that with some women in my life. It is too long. With a lot of <laughs> me's and I's and me's yes. and I's. That's yes. not Get necessarily to the point. I, I successful. I screwed up. Yes. I ripped you all off. I'm a tool. Uh, I'm going to do the time. I deserve the time. And I apologize. The end. Yep. And you want to write more, write it in your, your local prison newspaper. Okay. Well, I'm glad that I hope that the victims have peace or some semblance of peace from this all. I, I, I can't imagine ever having full peace from being ripped off uh, by him, but we wish them the best on that. Lots of things still going on in this case. So there's lots of things that we didn't even get to today, but we've got plenty of episodes coming up. Uh, dealing with Alec and also other crimes in and around uh, the Southeast. Impact of influence on Facebook. We got to thank uh, our new partners, Evergreen Podcast. 
Oh, and also, uh, we are doing a historical-based podcast with Michael DeWitt uh, called The Wicked South. So check that out, too. And his book, The Fall of the House of Murdoch, will be coming out soon. Uh, also, we want you to rate and share the episode and comment. We love feedback. It's fantastic. Good, bad, or indifferent. All that being said, we will talk soon, friend. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S.